Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This is episode two, and um, I'm Iman, and we have a little opening quote for this week's episode, and that is, there is no way to repress pleasure and expect joy, liberation, satisfaction, or joy, by Adrian Marie Brown. Yep. Um, and we also have a special guest this week, and they're so amazing. They're actually a pleasure expert. We've had many conversations with them about pleasure, and I'm so happy and excited to introduce them. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me at the kitchen table. It already smells delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Christina, and I love that I'm being called a pleasure expert um, because I feel like being an expert in anything is a lie, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would say I'm a pleasurer rememberer, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like my goal in life is to remind myself and others at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so my pronouns are she, her, ella, and I am Colombian, Puerto Rican, um, but did sadly did not grow up in New York where my parents did. <laughs> Moved before they had me, which was the worst decision they've ever made. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't have that swag that the three of you do. <laughs> um, but we could pretend I am an ex-wife. I love that title. Um, <laughs> I'm an ex-wife, a daughter, a mother, and someone, again, who I really feel like I've been called here on this earth to remind and remember. Mm -hmm. So that's me. (laughs) Um, Emily, also she, they pronouns. And Natalia, she, they pronouns too. Mm Not even they. What am I saying? Oh, uh, she. But you know what? Maybe we should right? start exploring. I don't ah, know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You heard it here, folks, for the first time. Ah. Gender crisis. It's happening. She's serious. She's serious. Yeah. But first, let's just start off. How did we come across Christina's beautiful soul? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> our meet cute. Our meet cute. Yes. Um, for some reason, I think the way I met Christina was just a miracle I think it was very beautiful and I feel like I've told Christina this story but it started off being in this college readiness program that I was in with Emily called SEO and this is junior year of high school where you start like applying to colleges and so you know part of SEO was bringing an admission officer Mm -hmm. from a college you know and having (laughs) them speak to uh, students and I remember we like my class got like this other university it was like university something something i forgot the name but i know christina was in the wrong room (laughs) christina was not supposed to be there like christina was like from a different college and nobody wanted to tell christina like they were in the wrong room Mm -hmm. so like we let christina do the whole presentation was like yeah really yeah so like christina's out here talking about like agape love like community obc and we're like She's definitely in the wrong room. (laughs) (laughs) But we're all out here, like, eating it up. We're like, this is so good. I'm like, oh, amazing. I emailed Christina afterwards. I'm like, and, yeah, that's how I met Christina. And then from there, we kind of just, like, hey, how's the kids? (laughs) And we were just chit-chatting. And then from there, that was really history. And then, you know, Christina selected me, and here I am now, so... (laughs) But yeah, how did you guys meet Christina? Um, I feel like one of my earliest memories with Christina, well, there's a program here which helps a lot of like first gen students and stuff with um, just, you know, navigating the college scene. And I remember we were in one of our meetings and stuff and Christina complimented all my shiny Doc Martens. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, oh my God, if... You know, when one compliments on my Doc Martens, I was like, I need to fuck with them. Like, they're good vibes. So after that, we just, you know, we continue to be in this um, um, organization that our school was um, orchestrating and stuff. And Christina was always a member there. And it's been history ever since. And I'm very glad to have met her. Great style. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I met Christina, like, senior year of high school I was having a very bad day that day actually I had literally just cried before I saw you and I was like oh fuck everything and then my uh, guidance counselor was like no you have to meet this person like a representative from the school and I was like I don't want to do it like (laughs) I really I don't want to meet this person and then you know I went 
And Christina was just so nice, had this, like, amazing, like, warm energy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know when you meet someone and you're like, I just feel like I've known mm-hmm. this person for, like, decades. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt with Christina. And I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm going to see this person again. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so comfortable around you. I was just like, oh, my God, what a, like, amazing soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know what I talked to you about. It was probably <laughs> some nonsense. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just remember seeing you in my high school and then, like, knowing that the pieces would click. And they did. And so that was very, like, one of my sacred moments with you. That was beautiful. I know. <laughs> that was very beautiful. It's taken me back to remember <laughs> all those moments. Yeah. Oh, my heart. Yes, my and, heart. and we had amazing conversations with Christina. I think she's been a very important person for us in terms mm-hmm. of our healing, our growth within our college experience. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, pandemic um the pandemic season right at the beginning we would have like these unpacking sessions and we were just all going through very you know unprecedented times in our life Mm -hmm. but christina was there to you know ground us and ground one another and it was very beautiful very beautiful once a week i wish i wish we would have recorded because (laughs) it was some gems in there that was the original table Mm -hmm. yes that was the original table for real i think that's where this podcast really stems from that Mm -hmm. unpacking session and us not only going through a pandemic but us going through so much trauma experiences and mm-hmm. us just trying to find home or try yeah. to find community with one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm very blessed to have that experience mm-hmm. because this is where we are now. Ah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wild to hear, you know, like our meet cutes. Um, I'm obsessed with meet cutes, right? Like mm-hmm. I always want to know how people met um, mm-hmm. because I just think you never meet anyone by accident. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And so like me being in the wrong room that ended up being the best wrong room to be mm-hmm. in because then I knew who you were when I'm in charge of, like, selecting the next 10, you know? Mm-hmm. And I knew, like, well, Natalia clearly has <laughs> to be the next 10. And then, you know, remembering Iman and how authentic you were when I met you and then being in another room where I'm selecting mm-hmm. students um, that I want to be ideal community builders and then the two of you are in this room um, so I just think it's wild that you know I met each one of you on purpose mm-hmm. um, and then when the three of you started to build your friendship for me and I kind of like told Natalia this earlier um, but we're going to get real vulnerable real quick <laughs> in this episode because <laughs> when I started to have the privilege to witness the three of you build your friendship, it was literally like I got to cross something off my list of life goals. Oh. And I mean that. <laughs> Stop. You know I'm a little emotional. <laughs> you got me blushing. I, you know I'm light-skinned. I mean it. And then, you know, we were in spaces often where the three of you could lead conversations. Mm -hmm. And when I would hear you use words like unpacking, vulnerable, authentic, healing, transform, liberating, um, I'm gender, I'm gender, you know, like exploring right now. And I've had my heart shattered. Where do I go? Where do I start? Oh, stuff, trauma with my family. And, and no one was hiding those parts from each other. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I would have had friendships like this in college, it would have saved me from years of feeling like an alien, feeling isolated, feeling alone. Because when you're born empathetic and with a golden heart, you often think you're the problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when I met you three... It was remembering that we're the answer. Mm. And then when the three of you started to build a friendship, I could see the ripples of impact that you were having on anyone else who had the honor of being around the three of you. So I really (laughs) like the when I met the three of you, it was literally like, uh, you know, and I say that all the time. There are relationships that are going to be reparative. And the three of you have repaired so much in my life and in my heart and in my belief of the power of authenticity and vulnerability and love. And the episode's over. No, <laughs> no it's not actually. We just started. <laughs> As you can tell why we would want Christina in this episode, <laughs> in this Come back. podcast, because she just 
I don't know her words. You know, it resonates with you. <laughs> and I'm like, the people need to know Christina. No, literally, <laughs> I feel like you've gifted us with, like, language. And mm-hmm. I think, yes. like, often it's so hard to feel things and not be able to name them. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. that's one thing I know you've gifted me with is, like, being able to name these, these things that are, like, happening mm-hmm. internally, externally. Because then, like... You operate through life thinking that, like, oh, like, I'm just, like, these things are not actually happening. I'm not feeling these things. Mm -hmm. And that has been, like, one of the most, like, transformational gifts from you because, like, I've never had the ability to name what I was experiencing. So thank you for that. I agree. I agree. I did not know what unpacking was. (laughs) I I used to just pack my bags and leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I used to do. And then it wasn't until I met Christina, and Christina was like, no, you have to sit down and unpack. Yes. And I was like, wow. And <laughs> I think on top of that, you, to- you taught me love languages and mm-hmm. what it is to love. And I think I'm a very reserved person. Mm-hmm. And so for me to even love someone was very, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you teaching me about, like, the different love languages, even teaching me about, like, I remember the first conversation I had with you was being, like, about agape love and, like, this mm-hmm. unconditional love that you can have with someone. And I was like, wow, I need to be like her. Like, I don't <laughs> know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I'm loving this energy. Like, I need to come back. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I tell Christina every day, please be my therapist. And I'm not even <laughs> joking i'm not even joking yeah no i i agree um i i always had this feeling in terms of christina like she just holds space for people when you need it and i remember i was going through a very rough time and i was like christina i need to talk to you like asap asap and it was right before the pandemic started and she held that space for me and i was like i don't know i had to trust my intuition because i felt so alone and i was like i need someone to talk to and when I tell you, Christina, I was in her office and I was just bawling my eyes out. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she was like, it's okay, mamas. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you, you say so. <laughs> you say so. No, but on a serious note, like she really held that space for me. And I don't know, I never really opened up in terms of to be that vulnerable with someone so quick. But I trusted my intuition. And I was like, my intuition was telling me, like, Christina, she, she's a real one. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to trust my gut with this. And and it's been beautiful ever since. Intuition is real. Oh, yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, actually, since, you know, this episode is about, you know, pleasure and community, I have a little hot and heavy prompt inspired <laughs> by Adrian Marie Brown. Adrian Marie Brown. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... So the question is, how have you prioritized your pleasure this week? If you haven't, how can you do so? Or, like, what intentions can you set to do so? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, how? (laughs) Pleasure. Who's she? I miss her. (laughs) Um, Who want to go first? Mm. I'm still thinking. I can start. Um, so yesterday I was feeling very sad. Um, I've been feeling sad a lot lately, but that's, that's a different conversation. That's another episode. (laughs) Sadness. (laughs) Um, and I don't know. I feel like this is also something, you know, I've, like Christina has talked about, but just like adorning your body, Mm. um, in various, Mm -hmm. like different ways. And yesterday I took a nice shower and I exfoliated and I used this lavender exfoliant Mm. that I Mm -hmm. got from Giants. And it, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, showers, for me, like, that yeah. private time is, like, such a sacred space. The water, the heat, like, everything. And then I use this lush, like, Sleepy Time lavender product. Ooh, and you put me on, <laughs> Christina. It's everyone's birthday gift. <laughs> <laughs> and I took my ass straight to bed. And that was how, you know, I was in tune with my pleasure this week. I'm not over this, but yoga, I'm telling y'all, <laughs> has saved yes. my fucking life. Yes. Um. I, I just love yoga. I eat that shit up. I <laughs> am excited to go every week, every <laughs> Wednesday at 5 p.m. I will not stop going. And I think yoga is just my time. It's my time to, like, really be in tune with my body, feel mm-hmm. grounded, feel just one with the universe, one with myself. And it really just helps me take the time to reflect what's going on in my life, mm-hmm. what, like what's making me feel anxious. And just also slowing down, I think, as college students, it's such a culture to move quick, have all these assignments done, reading like 100 pages a fucking night. Like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I think my yoga time is mm-hmm. just amazing. It's like 
spiritual to me. It's like my mm-hmm. time to be one. And I also agree with your mom. Yesterday, I was a little exfoliated, girl. <laughs> Let me tell you. And, you know, I just took the, I honestly just did no homework yesterday. And I just took a, you know, self-care day, as we like to say. And I did no homework. I just did what I like to do. Watch a little, you know, the originals. You know, I'm a, I'm a vampire <laughs> fanatic. <laughs> and I really just enjoyed my time with people that I was in. And I went to the gym yesterday. Who would have thought? Day one. Day one, though. Let's not even mm-hmm. jinx it. You know, <laughs> hopefully we continue going. But I think um, I think pleasure for me lately has been being more physical and in tune with my body. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm very much enjoying lately. I love that. Yes, we went to the gym yesterday. It was great. Um, I feel like for me this past week, um, I'm really prioritizing my pleasure in terms of, like, you know, going on dates and stuff Mm -hmm. and being allowing myself to experience intimacy outside of, like, a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's very important, especially for me, such as a lover. Um, my Venus is an Aries, so I'm a very passionate lover, oh. and, you know, it's very vital for me to, you know, engage in, like, dates and stuff and having little moments, um, you know, I got my cuddles in, and I was <laughs> like, ooh, I love <laughs> this, so I, that's how I prioritize my pleasure this week. I love it. I wish this was, like, last week, last month, <laughs> um, just because this week, um, my pleasure just looks really different, but maybe mm-hmm. that's, that's, like, a great thing to share. Um, so there are weeks and months of my life where my pleasure will be very centered in terms of like act- actively doing physical things to create sensations of pleasure in my body. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. week, my menstrual cycle came to attack me, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, cycle you just sister. don't feel good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, in terms of understanding that my body needed rest, my body needed um, to take things much slower. My pleasure came out of me saying no this week. Mm. Um, And so building my capacity that I don't have to withstand, I don't have to push, I don't have to take it just because I can. Mm -hmm. So I said no to a lot this week. Good for you. That's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really hard. I'm still struggling. (laughs) I have a little question for you, but, you know, how have you kind of um, been able to tap into the power of saying no? How has that kind of operated in your life and been a part of your pleasure? Yeah, as I, you know, excavate <laughs> all the stuff that lives in my body, right? So this my season right now is centering my body's data and body's information. And so if I'm feeling pressure in my shoulders, that's because my shoulders are up by my ears. And if my shoulders are up by my ears, then I'm bracing for something. If I'm bracing for something, there's something in my body that I'm ignoring. Right, mm-hmm. and so it's really paying attention, like a student, like a scholar of my body, of like curiosity, like why do I feel irritable today? Mm-hmm. Where is the irritability in my body? If it's tension here, what could I do to release that tension? And then when you release that tension, there's always a message. So yoga for me as well has been something that you know when I was in college, I was like that ain't for my people. Um, (laughs) right like just not feeling like that was something for me and then when I got into somatics um you know for like my therapy practice as a counselor uh yoga is all somatics Mm -hmm. um and so the more you train yourself to sense your body the more you know when you are not into something Mm -hmm. so I feel like my cues for no now are no longer cognitive because once they're in my head, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I can convince myself of all the obligations like that because mm-hmm. that's what Virgos do. We have to be perfect. <laughs> so I got to tap into my, my other energies. And I'm a Sagittarius rising. Uh, and I feel like that's why there's so much information in my body. right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Sagittarians are very bodily. Yes. So the more I tap into what is my body sensing, literally feeling the more I can see where my nose are. Mm. And then I just have to have my mind listen. Mm. Yeah. Before it was mind and then body. And now I'm switching. It's body, mind. Oh, I've been in that journey too. Yeah, and <laughs> yoga, I feel like yoga teaches you that. Yeah. So um, before we start going into like pleasure activism and stuff, how would you define pleasure? Mm. Juicy. Um, <laughs> So I think pleasure 
first off, right, and I say this because it's a reminder <laughs> for me, <laughs> pleasure is my birthright. Mm. Um, and so that's if I start there as a definition, then it's not something I have to earn. It's not something that is deserved or undeserved. It's not something that I have to seek. Mm. It is something that is already mine. So pleasure, I think, is, um, you know, just sensations, joy, mm -hmm. um, liberation, mm -hmm. freedom that I was born to have. Wow. Wow. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. How, How about y'all? Are y'all <laughs> going to answer what's pleasure oh, yeah, for yeah, you? For sure. I feel like pleasure for me, especially like as a, a young adult, going into that I think I again like going off of you what brings me joy like what kind of grounds me as a person as well like we can talk about like self-care like for me I'm an avid like I'm gonna paint my nails and wash my hair and you know do my routine but mm -hmm. also pleasure is like taking time for myself like grounding myself with the universe as like going out taking a walk in the sun like that's pleasure things that bring me real joy who remind me things that remind me of who I am and um, my impact on this universe and, like, really tap into, who, like, what my soul is, like, and, you know, all that good stuff. Mm. I think it's very similar. I think pleasure is just enjoyment. Anything that brings me joy, it can be from mm -hmm. watching a show to mm -hmm. community with friends mm -hmm. to having a self-care day. It's just anything that just brings me joy, really. That's yeah. pleasure to Ooh, me. Ooh, two, two, two. Sorry. Ima, what about you? Um, I think for me, pleasure is like connected to like I, I don't know, I feel like like you said, Christina, pleasure is like my birthright. But it's also like as I'm on this journey of like, you know, unpacking what pleasure means to me, I feel like my higher self like is fully of aware of how I can be in tune with pleasure and how I can like utilize it as a lib liberational force. But sometimes me right now is like struggling with that. Mm -hmm. So as of right now, it's been like expressing both my divine feminine and masculine and like mm -hmm. letting both of those energies coexist. And a lot of dancing too. I mm. feel so sensual when I dance. And I don't know, I feel um, right now my pleasure has been centered around like my gender nonconformity. So confusing mm. people like <laughs> when people see me, they're like, wait, but you the it. point yes so that's kind of what pleasure has meant to me and you know lots of learning i think i get a lot of pleasure from learning because it helps me like understand virgo <laughs> 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 we want to know it all no literally we do yeah yeah um so how has engaging and utilizing pleasure activism been like liberating for you cool it's saved my life and I mean that. Like, I know that sounds so hyperbolic. Um, but this theory, and I loved your last episode of theory in our lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, that's why Emily is my soulmate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's it has guided me. It has created every balm I've needed to every wound I've ever encountered. Mm -hmm. um, it's been the answer to so much of why... I have experienced the things I have experienced. Mm -hmm. um, I also think what's been so transformational, liberatory from pleasure activism um, is helping me balance. So <laughs> I'm, I always say I'm gift and cursed. Since a very young age, I've always been able that once I understand someone's motive behind their behavior, this ocean of understanding and compassion washes over me and that person. <laughs> but without understanding that that ocean is really just to wash over me, I've allowed a lot of boundaries to be broken and a lot of toxic behavior to continue. Mm. And so with pleasure activism mm -hmm. as uh, now shaking up all my tools, emptying them all in front of me and putting pleasure activism as my beam of foundation to everything else has really equipped me with making sure that I am centered at all times mm -hmm. without that creating harm to anyone else. Mm -hmm. 
because I'm someone that I can definitely allow harm if I understand why they're harming. So uh, pleasure activism says no, 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 baby, <laughs> uh, baby. Uh, you yeah. can understand mm-hmm. and put yourself first, mm. and that's that's pleasure activism. Yeah, I think like what aspect of pleasure activism has been like revolutionary to you, yeah. and what what has been challenging? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I got into pleasure activism much more deeply from a different lens after experiencing one of the most earth-shattering <laughs> heartbreaks of my life. Mm-hmm. And what's so fascinating, um, I had to go to somatics. It was the only avenue to heal from that relationship, right? So prior to that, what I think is so interesting is I was with my ex-husband from the time I was 17 years old to 30 years old. 17 to 30 years old. Damn. I'm only 31 now. No, that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. So in that relationship, I feel like when I left it, which that's a whole other episode, but because (laughs) it's based on who I am and how I grew up, Mm -hmm. getting divorced was not an option. Right. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I was this catalyst for like, fuck that, I'm out, is huge and revolutionary and will be my legacy in my family. but I feel like a lot of people were like, well, you got over that, right? And I did. Like, cognitive behavioral therapy was easy. Okay, I got into that relationship because I had this schema, this schema, this lack of boundary. Mm-hmm. I tolerated this because of this and this and this and that. And it fit perfectly. Like, I could make a Venn diagram of why that didn't work out. And I was healed enough to be like, and I also participated in my degradation here, here, and here. I was truly a victim here. Mm, I was manipulative here. Like I could, I left that relationship and could have written a book on it (laughs) and been published and been on a tour like a badass bitch. (laughs) And then, you know, I healed and I grew and it all made sense. And then I get into another relationship and I fell in love for the first time embodied. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think it's really easy to heal from relationships that don't work out when you're not embodied. (laughs) We don't Mm. talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes being in a dysfunctional relationship is a power move. Because I felt empowered. This motherfucker was toxic as all shit. But I knew, right? Like, I could could go home and be like, he toxic because his mama did X and he don't feel (laughs) loved. And that's why he does this, right? And there's power in understanding why this person Mm -hmm. is toxic. I felt like a powerful bitch. He could talk all the shit he wants and he's still going to be like, Christina, why do I do this? (laughs) And so there's power in that, right? So... Mm -hmm. When I left a dysfunctional relationship, I still felt empowered and I still felt whole and it was so linear to heal from that. And then I get into my next relationship, which was so divine. I felt it was a divine, sovereign relationship. And it was the first time that I didn't have to be the healer, the expert, the emotional laborer. He was my equal. Mm -hmm. And there was a sense of vulnerability and authenticity I've never experienced in a romantic sexual relationship before him. And so being sexual in a relationship where I'm actually present and I'm connected and I'm not using tools of the oppressor like power dynamics, Mm -hmm. um, right? Like all of that was divorced in our relationship. When that relationship ended because of a relational rupture that I had no consent in, I felt harmed in a way I've never felt harmed before. And I think... When I went to my own counseling, you know, circle, no one was getting that. It was all like, okay, Christina, and then, you know, let's like, what were patterns you missed? Fuck you, I didn't miss no fucking pattern, <laughs> right? And I and I also was like, oh, this is a wake up call. A lot of a lot of the rhetoric around relationships ending always falls on the partner who's upset by it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, well, what did you miss? What did you do? Oh, that is, and I feel though. like that's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very dangerous. Um. No, I didn't do anything. This other person has some stuff, and unfortunately, their stuff got all fucking all over me. Mm-hmm. And now that we're over, I'm stuck with their shit that's not mine, and you're asking me to own shit that's not mine. Mm-hmm. And you get stuck in not being able to heal. At, like, you cannot heal when they keep telling you it's you when it ain't you. My life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you just can't. So 
somatics was the only way, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to, though, be like, why does this hurt like nothing ever before? Because I had let him in to every crevice, every avenue of my body. I had given him levels of pleasure that I could only ever experience when you're that safe. And so when that safety was ripped from me um, and without my consent and without my knowing, as someone who's intuitive, I didn't see this coming. It was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced. Um, So I knew that pleasure activism was going to be my only way out because pleasure activism asks me to go back to my body, asks me to go back to making peace with that my body felt safe so the sex was amazing (laughs) Um, my body felt understood so there were levels of sexual energy that he and I exchanged that a breakup was going to take me healing my body not my mind and that's the thing it took me two years to realize I was healing the wrong thing I needed to heal my body to heal from him And no one, no therapist, no space, no nothing ever gave me that. This was a solo journey because everyone kept telling me, well, do you see a pattern in the men that you pick? Um, What's your relationship like with your father? Like, (laughs) fuck you. My daddy loves my mom and has been with my mom for 30 years. He jokes that he's been married since he was 12. I don't got daddy issues. This is not what this is. Um, And so it was really like, okay, the answer has always been in my body. And when I started to do pleasure activism that brought me back to my body is the only inch, and I mean inch by inch, that I am (laughs) healing from a relationship that, while it was in union, was the most sovereign, beautiful, miraculous, juicy-ass, delicious (laughs) relationship I've ever been in. And, mm. and because, you know, that's another thing, too. I think because it ended, um, you know, because he broke my consent and trust and did such a terrible relational rupture, I'm supposed to villainize him and demonize him. Mm. And pleasure activism allows me to understand that he broke us because he's broken. But I can still love him as long as my boundary keeps me safe from his brokenness. Mm. Mm. Wow. Wow, Yeah. And that's, yeah. uh, without pleasure activism, I would still be a mess. Mm-hmm. Wow, I feel like crying. I feel <laughs> like that was beautiful. Like. No, because that's some real ass shit. Like sometimes, especially when you're the one being heartbroken. Yes. Mm-hmm. You just lose yourself. Oh, yeah. Like you lose who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know. I feel like all four of us, we are lovers. Lovers. We love so deep. We love very hard. And that could be our biggest downfall at the same time. All of ours. (laughs) All of ours. That's why we're together. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's true. I feel like, my God, you just got to. And don't get me started on the fucking trauma. Like, be coming from that shit and the trauma they project on you yeah Yeah. also like it's so frustrating too because again like we're all very emotionally intelligent people and Mm -hmm. then i don't know why but at least in my experience i end up with people who are not emotionally intelligent and i'm like what the fuck like what kind of (laughs) what kind of luck do i have but yes it's just some you got to save yourself in the process and respect your boundaries and because if not it's gonna be a shit show every fucking day no really i agree i feel like when so I dated this narcissistic <laughs> ass person. Uh, They're narcissists. <laughs> <laughs> and I swore to you, I felt like in our relationship, I was like his mini me. Mm. Everything he liked, I liked because mm. I felt like it was imposed to me. If he liked Justin Bieber, I had to like Justin. Like whatever it was, mm. it was like I had to like it to be his partner mm. so he can love me the same way, the mm. way he loves that object. And I swore wow. like once we broke up, I didn't even know who I was. It felt mm. weird to be in my body. It felt it, I felt like I was in a stranger's body. I didn't mm. know who I was. I didn't even know what I liked to do for fun. That's how bad mm. that breakup was. And it wasn't until literally trying to talk with myself, my body, literally trying to figure myself out, where mm-hmm. I was like literally having to meet this new version of myself, like mm. this new Natalia, and reintroducing myself to myself, mm-hmm. which was the weirdest thing to ever do in my life. Yeah. But it was well needed, and it was just crazy to think of like being this like 
lover, this unconditional mm-hmm. lover. And then like during this breakup, not knowing who I was, not knowing what I even like to do, not knowing anything and having to reinvent, re introduce myself was one of the hardest things to ever do but Mm -hmm. i i truly agree being with my body and you can even feel that when i when that broke that breakup happened my body just felt weird i felt weird in my body in your body i didn't i didn't even know i was like oh my god i must have been in a dream because there's no way (laughs) there's no way this is me this is my body like i felt like it's like it's like you ever seen the movie where it's like you wake up in someone's body and it's like "Ah!" (laughs) you had 24 hours to get to your own body that's what i felt Mm -hmm. like i was like this is not my body this is no way but it's just so crazy that i was just heartbreak is real heartbreak Heartbreak. is real yeah it's i think like after you know i experienced my first heartbreak the, the just the information that my body was giving me mm, like yeah. I just remember collapsing into Emily's arms and I was like I like I don't I the sensations are so strong like it mm-hmm. physically felt like my heart broke yes. like it fe- I felt yes. the pain and yep. that pain was oh like the God. scariest thing ever because I was like I don't know how to get rid of this like mm-hmm. it feels so internal it felt so deep mm-hmm. and I think something that you mentioned like we're all very just like like just intense lovers and I feel like that has also kind of been used in a very manipulative way against me as a lover I just naturally you know immerse myself in it into Mm -hmm. the love that I am you know giving you and in the relationship and I feel like that's kind of when people are scared of loving themselves and participating Mm -hmm. in love often they like demonize that person who like is willing to throw themselves into the love. So I feel like I heard a lot of, oh, like, you're sensitive, you're feeling too much, and I'm like, I don't, this is how I love, this is how I feel, this is how I show up in this world. And so it's it's a very, like, confusing and difficult process. And then just, like, the, the, you know, healing that comes afterward of, like, Mm -hmm. finding yourself. I, like, did not know who I was. I, I, like, looked into the mirror, and I was like, I don't know who I'm looking at. I didn't know who I was in relation to the people I was com- in community with, yeah. my, with my family. My, like, I came mm-hmm. back from that relationship, and I felt like everything was just so out of place. I, was, I had to rebuild all over again. And mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that was also one of the scariest parts, that yeah. rebuilding. The rebuilding process. Yeah. yeah. No, like, very scary. I remember, I don't, it's that. And, to f- and, you know, looking back now, I feel like genuinely, the fir- my first heartbreak it's really not a really a heartbreak compared to like how I've seen other people in my community experience heartbreak. I'm like, oh shit, that was nothing. But again, <laughs> I'm still gonna validate my experience and all that. But the physical pain, mm-hmm. girl, I felt like there was a hundred pounds on my chest yeah. every fucking day for a month. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. month, I wasn't eating. I was malnourished. I was like, this is not me. I remember I was in Gilbert's one day with Iman, or Natalia. I don't know, one of y'all two, and. I could literally see my ribs. And I was like, oh, fuck no. I was like, I'm not going to let this little ass boy <laughs> unpack me <laughs> like little this. Boy, little real. boy. For real. <laughs> and, um, oh Same to For real. <laughs> but it's, you just feel so out of place in your body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know who I am. And, again, mm-hmm. I had to, like, find myself. And I feel like we can all relate to that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Right, like nobody talks to you about the somatic experience of romantically connecting with someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all this very superficial pop culture understanding yeah. of a breakup. Mm-hmm. And what's so fascinating is our culture is actually obsessed with love, right? Like mm-hmm. if you think about all of the songs and right, mm-hmm. like heartbreak yeah. anniversary. <laughs> 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 um, but like we're not being taught that there actually is a physical, physiological yeah. change mm-hmm. in your body. We yeah. are all atoms mm-hmm. all running up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is energy that mm-hmm. exists in me and energy that exists in you. Mm-hmm. And when you think about colliding sexually with someone, you are literally colliding with energy. Mm-hmm. And so this is neuroscience, right? And so what you're talking about um, is actually a neuro neuroscientific phenomenon called the body deposits and body withdrawals. Mm. So Mm. when you are with someone and you're intimate, the energy then allows that person to have more of an influence on you, right? So if someone actually were to come into the room right now, because the four of us feel so safe together, Mm -hmm. and they took our heart rates, our heart rates could be syncopated right now. 
you're probably lowering my blood pressure because I feel safe and I feel seen. And as we start to share these mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. they would actually be able to plot that our body is actually physically feeling sensations of healing. Wow. Right? So when you're dating someone and you're in that phase of mm -hmm. like, my boo, right? <laughs> <laughs> like the sun rises, right? Like, um, and that person is creating body deposits. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about my my ex, right, like and that's what's so hard is everyone's like hate him because of what happened. But our uh. relationship mm -hmm. was nothing but body deposits. Yeah. Right. He every other I would ding on my phone. I would look. You good. You good. ma? Like that was like his way of checking in. Like, mm -hmm. are you safe? Is really what he was saying. Um, and then, you know, like I made dinner and you're stressed. So I did this. And those were constant body deposits. Oh. And then it's really important to know your love language too, right? Yeah. So my love language is physical touch. Mm -hmm. This man couldn't keep his hands off me, which is a Venus Leo dream. Like, touch me <laughs> yes. all the time. To make me feel like you, if you don't touch this, you're going to die. Uh -huh. Right? Like, And that was constant. So my body was constantly receiving deposits of safety, sexuality, mm -hmm. pleasure, mm -hmm. romance. You know, he's helping me, like, lower my blood pressure. I'm orgasming, so my serotonin and dopamine are oh. off the charts. Oh. <laughs> and then you break up and you don't even talk no more. Body withdrawal, mm -hmm. right? And so sure. your body actually gets used to who's mm -hmm. in your life mm -hmm. and who's giving me deposits. Now, this mm -hmm. is all unconscious, but our, yeah. to our bodies, it's not unconscious. No, yeah. Right? So, and that's mm -hmm. when you mean you're saying, like, I know when I meet someone. It's mm -hmm. your body actually saying, hey, our heart rate slowed. Hey, I secreted oxytocin when this person was near me. <laughs> that means they're safe and we're going to bond. Mm -hmm. That is all real. We're just not conscious to right, it. Right, yeah. right. So when you have breakups and you're saying, I don't know who I am, I'm in physical, actual mm -hmm. pain, it's because your body is like, we're in withdrawal. We're no longer going to get these deposits. And it's real. <sighs> it's it's so real. So no, because I remember when I broke up with my ex, my body would physically like look at my phone all the time because we would text yeah. every single day yes. and it was just like a schedule schedule for like a whole year and a half that we were dating and I was literally going through withdrawals mm -hmm. and I would not see his message and I was like oh my god this no. yeah this to this great. day it, it's been two years and to this day like when my phone's like this and it buzzes I like see his name on my screen we even mm -hmm. talked in two years mm -hmm. like it's just it's mm -hmm. like you said there's routines yeah. there's there's sensations it's very real. Mm -hmm. Especially like a morning text. Oh, oh my God. Good morning text. <laughs> Not like, going. That was really hard. That was the really hard for me. morning text. Yes. I think you bring up a good point that I never thought about is the like villainizing or making this person the villain. Oh, yeah. Like in, in our culture, yeah. it's always like you need to hate him. You, yeah. you need to make him feel like he treated mm -hmm. you like shit. Like you were the, you know, you were the victim in the situation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we all in this table got um, heartbroken. Yeah. Let's not, oh, yeah. Know. Let's not make light of it. Yeah. <laughs> we right. weren't the heartbreakers. Right. Bitches needed therapy. <laughs> <laughs> really, though. Really. I still want to Venmo his ass. Uh, <laughs> but it's true, though. It's true. Oh, oh, my I'm God. Venmo Venmo. Venmo like, request. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I think um, it brings up a good point. I feel like grief comes from that relationship too and oh, the many so much stages grief. that you go because yeah. I remember my heartbreak I was mad then I was sad <laughs> then I was like I want to like just punch him <laughs> and then I'm like then I go back to sad and then yeah. I'm like fuck him I don't give a damn anymore mm -hmm. who is he mm -hmm. so it's like the many stages that you go through but also thinking I and I had to realize like I was young entering yeah. that relationship, and I had my own flaws. Mm -hmm. I didn't know yeah. how to love. I didn't. I had so many flaws within mm -hmm. myself that I couldn't put the entire blame on him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I also had to realize we were yeah. both villains. Like, <laughs> yeah. there was yeah. no superhero in the, the in situation. situation. <laughs> we were both villains. Mm -hmm. We were both toxic to each other, and that's mm -hmm. why we did not work out. We were not meant to be, and that's okay. Yeah. But it took so much learning and healing for me to know I am not innocent either. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't innocent. And there's no excuse for that and for mm -hmm. our dynamic together. And I had to really take the time to, you know, decompress that. Yeah. I mean, I'm still angry. But of that's course. a different situation. <laughs> that's another That's another concept. That's another episode, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's also just so much more black and white than, like, hating the person or being mm -hmm. like, oh, they're such a shitty human being because, like, 
and I've talked about I've talked about this to Emily. I feel like with my like first breakup, it was just so intense because it was a queer relationship. Mm-hmm. And like as queer people, as folks who are marginalized, mm-hmm. who don't have access to love mm-hmm. and community in the same way that cis had people do, mm-hmm. you often find that like these experiences come later in life. Yeah. And then when you add family trauma and generational trauma and like uh, you know, histories of abuse. Like when you yeah. find that one person who gets an ounce of you, you yeah. hold on to that yeah. with dear life because you're you're the trauma is informing like how you operate. You're like, this is never gonna happen again, so I need to hold on to it. And like, it's so hard when you lose that, and then you realize that like, you know, maybe that version of love that you had in your head was not even a healthy love at all. It yeah, was right. you know not only informed by trauma, but it was informed by scarcity. Scarcity, oh my God. And I think that's why this Mm -hmm. book and talking to you has just been so transformational in my healing journey Mm -hmm. because once I actively started shifting my mindset to the love is all around me, it is within me, I think Mm -hmm. it has changed like the people I let into my body Mm -hmm. and I let into my life. The scarcity piece is the answer, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we go back and you think about these heartbreaks, and you look at different pieces of what you examined, what you connected to, what you participated in. And I asked you to think, were you operating from abundance or scarcity? Oh, my God, please. The <laughs> amount of grief mm-hmm. that will come up, mm-hmm. right? And I love that you're pointing out, like, the, the queer relationship dynamic, um, right, and the marginalization piece, mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, like as a Colombian Puerto Rican woman and now I'm a single mother with two kids, who's going to want me is what my ex-husband would say all the time. Mm, right. True. And so it's it's the scarcity piece. I mean, if you think about, you know, like oh, trans kids right now and the scarcity piece, yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's one of the most covert and yet most powerful tools of our oppressor scarcity Mm -hmm. right like it's actually the answer to every single one of our issues Mm -hmm. scarcity capitalism scarcity (laughs) climate change scarcity Scarcity. right Mm -hmm. the violence against black bodies and trans bodies scarcity (laughs) um and so I always say to to folks that I work with and to myself like what system is benefiting from me right now And how can I divorce myself from that system? And when it comes to my romantic relationships, it has always been scarcity is winning, mama. Scarcity is operating. You're sitting in scarcity. Mm -hmm. And when I realized, oh, my God, like, that's why I've allowed X, Y, Z. That's why I can't X, Mm -hmm. Y, Z. It's Mm -hmm. scarcity. Mm -hmm. It's so scarcity. And I feel like a very big point that I learned in my um, first romantic relationship was the scarcity that I saw between the dynamics, the romantic dynamics and my family. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't, I, and I remember vividly, I was like, I'm not gonna turn out like, you know, my parents. I'm not gonna turn out like my parents. I'm not gonna love in the way that, you know, the scarcity and their love have been. But I found myself repeating the same shit. And I was like, that was so scary to me because I was so actively like telling myself, don't do that, don't do this. But I was harming myself at the same time. I was repeating traumas. I was, I, I was doing traumas that I never even realized I had yeah. traumas. Mm-hmm. I do have daddy issues, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, yes. if you got a daddy, you got issues. <laughs> but, oh my God, it was, again, like trauma that you don't even realize you have as a child mm-hmm. going yeah. into your friendships, your romantic French, uh, romantic dynamics and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really scary. Yeah. And it really all stems from scarcity. Mm-hmm. It does. Your body feels that trauma too. Yeah. And honestly, I realized, I think coming to college, I became a little more emotional intelligent. Let's just say <laughs> I wasn't too bright. Yes. Um, but I can tell there was so much trauma I didn't even know I had yeah. that I was, I had to really internalize this is the way I act with certain people. This mm-hmm. is the way I act when I meet someone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize they all stem from trauma. Like mm. it's all from trauma. Yeah. Like why am I the way I am? Trauma. Mm-hmm. Trauma. And I think I had so much trauma entering any relationship, platonic, romantic, 
that it was a reason why sometimes many of them didn't work out because mm-hmm. sometimes we were we both had a lot of trauma. <laughs> so when you both have trauma, it yeah. just doesn't work out because nobody's healing. Nobody's just, healing. It's just trauma. It's trauma dumping on each other, mm-hmm. and it gets worse and worse. Yeah. But there's also this emphasis on healing can only happen and, like, this <laughs> lack of scarcity can only happen in romantic relationships. And I'm here to say that False. most of my yeah. healing has been in queer platonic relationships. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at you because I that, like, having another queer person, uh, like, in a platonic way by my side throughout mm-hmm. my breakup... Save me. And I, I don't mean that in, like, the who's that. I mean, like, literally. Save but, like, you. actually save my life. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> like, literally. I feel you. <laughs> because, like, I've, I once I open myself to the fact that love is everywhere and it yeah. can exist in platonic spaces, mm-hmm. like, ro- having romantic relationships is great, but I, I'm so much more, like, I feel so much more in tune with love with these people around me, like, mm-hmm. y'all. Yeah. That's where most of my healing and transformation yeah. has yeah. happened. That's where my safety happens. And all my life I've thought that can only happen in a romantic relationship. I can only feel wanted in romantic space. Heteronormativity, y'all. Yes. This is oh, the white man working. This is the system <laughs> that we're talking about. <laughs> Not the that. white man. <laughs> oh my God. No, I queerness has saved the hell out of me mm-hmm. i of course my first heartbreak was in a straight relationship before i came out as queer but i just i felt deep inside of me i was like this is not who i am i'm mm-hmm. like i found myself like you know being so hesitant on like loving him in a way that i wanted to be loved and to love others and i was like uh, i was so scared i was like oh am i gonna i can't do this because then it's gonna like hurt his masculinity and stuff yeah. and i was like oh girl i can't but queerness recently again like platonically and romantically i just feel so at home with myself and i i don't know like straight cis men just <laughs> haven't been doing it for me lately you see, even the straights have been saying it. <laughs> but yes, I, again, like platonic connections have truly saved me. Yeah. Have truly, truly That's saved me. That's beautiful. Yeah. I may not be queer, but let me just tell y'all. My friends are. And <laughs> I, think, I think it's it's not a coincidence. Like, it's yeah. not a coincidence yeah. that I surround myself with queer love mm-hmm. or queer spaces yeah. because that's where I feel more comfortable in or more mm-hmm. welcomed in. And mm-hmm. I think the love that you guys have is just very beautiful. And I just love being in those spaces because it makes me feel loved too. Yeah. And yeah, queerness is beautiful. 